Hello, you are listening to Freedom in Christianity, a blog and podcast by Father Anthony Paul. Freedom in Christianity is focused on exploring the faith as seen through the love of God, which comes only by freedom. Father Anthony Paul is a priest of the Coptic Orthodox Diocese of Los Angeles and a member of the St. Paul Brotherhood. This podcast is brought to you by Anaphora Radio. And now, Father Anthony Paul. Cold-blooded murder. Are you afraid of the truth? Last Friday, you find out from watching the news that Hani Shinuda, prominent steward of the service, Amin al-Khidma, at your church, is found guilty of the murder of Hermonia Grangeria in an alley near his house. To most people in the church, he has only been an image of piety. He's at every church service, he's the go-to deacon for midweek anything, and he's at every tizbaha psalmody every week. He taught you how to make korban. He taught the kids Sunday school. Everything about him points to, this guy is clergy material. The immediate response of the community is varied. Tante Miena says, There's no way. Only Pope Shinuda is holier than him. There must be a mistake. Uncle Ishat, who everyone knows wanted to be the steward himself, responds, Well, they must have a good reason to believe that he murdered someone. To which young Abunub, a disciple of Hani, says, You're saying that because you're jealous and wanted what he had. We know he didn't do anything like that at all. Then suddenly comes Uncle Flopatir and he says, Let me tell you the story of how Hani saved my life and taught me the meaning of true love. He goes into a long rhetoric about how Hani is the pinnacle of virtue and gives a bunch of proofs of this so much that 80% of the people standing around react by bursting into tears. Meanwhile, on the investigative team studying the murder case is a certain do not like Browns. Do not went into the forest and reactions to a terrible tragedy in his life. His little brother was sexually abused by a clergyman, but didn't start talking about it until a few months before he killed himself. He also lost a really good buddy of his. His friend was killed on a mission in the Middle East. A suicide bomber from a jihadi group blew himself up right next to the tank that Dunant's friends was driving. He was only 23. The incidents have him resentful of religion. How could people who claim to love a god be so hateful of other human beings? How could a god want people to do something like that or turn a blind eye to it? What he took from the scenario, sometimes life sucks, and people who may appear to be holy and such, well, they're just as capable of evil as the rest of them. He admits to himself privately that, yes, he does have a thing for cracking down on religionists. While investigators are collecting more information, Pistavro Salib from the church recognizes Dunat. They had gone to college together. Pistavros knows Dunat's history and is outraged that somebody so biased is part of the team at all. How, he asks, is there going to be a fair investigation when someone already hates religion so much? Moved by zeal, he begins a letter-writing campaign to have Dunat removed from the investigation. The priest of the church is in a tough position. He's not sure what to say or do or how to placate the people. So, he remains silent. He doesn't speak for Hanny, nor does he speak against him. He just keeps repeating with painful resignation, I don't know, I don't know. I know that he was good and I trusted him. I don't know what to say. The case goes to trial and the prosecution is able to prove that Hanny held the gun that killed the victim and the victim died as a result of that shot and thus Hanny is guilty of murder. Dunat is ecstatic. The congregation is ripped apart. Hanny is silent. He's condemned. 
parish participation begins to decline after a couple of years. The public continues to have a distaste towards religion, getting another proof that we could do better without religion in the world. That's the case of the public. That's the public reaction. Life goes on. Case closed. Where is this going? I want to meditate on seeking the truth. It's been a theme on this podcast, I know, but it's because it's of utmost importance. In spite of all the noise surrounding the case and all the emotions, there's a simple fact, the truth. There is an answer to the question of whether or not Hanny killed Miss Grangeria. Before we get to judging him as guilty or not guilty, let's look at the various players on the stage. Tante Miena. This sweet and very elderly tunt is in denial that Hanny could possibly have done anything wrong. Why? Because only Pope Shenouda is holier than him. The basis of her decision that he's innocent is based on her personal experience with him has only been positive and that his outward behavior has been exemplary. Tante Miena has only ever known him, though, externally. She's never had dinner at his house or vice versa. She's never had a long conversation with him and discussed outlooks on life. She's never had a disagreement with him and seen how he reacts. So her immediate gut reaction is based on a relationship that did not have depth. She recognizes all of this, but she is confident in her heart that the truth is that Hanny is a saint. Uncle is hot. Without doubt, Uncle is hot has his personal struggles, and part of him is happy and vindicated to find out that someone who he viewed as his rival was publicly shown to be deficient. The news confirmed what he was trying to tell people, that this guy seems to be really good, that there's still something just not right about him. He is, to be sure, surprised at how big the crime was, but he accuses himself, I guess I was too nice. Right away, he's dreaming of how he can help fix the service, how he can outreach the devastated families who would now receive him as a natural replacement for Hany. He dismisses Abunub's accusation against him because he knows that Abunub was just attached to Hany and can't handle hearing the news. After all, Uncle says to himself, it's not my fault the man murdered and got himself into this mess. Uncle's relationship with Henny had always been had always had the rivalry in the background. Always there was an internal tension that Henny had the position that he coveted. Consequently, Uncle has always had a critical eye on Henny. His decisions, his character, his preferences, his sermons, everything. He perpetually is seeking confirmation that Henny be exposed. When the possible truth was available, that Hanny could be wrong, it's a truth that Uncle Ishat embraces. Besides, the courts couldn't be wrong. The truth, even if it sucks for the church, is that the man is guilty. Uncle Philopatir. Unlike Uncle Ishat and Tante Miena, Uncle Philopatir has known Hanny intimately for years. He trusts Hanny with his life and found himself able to expose to him the most intimate details of his life. Always, Hanny has been able to alleviate fear, worries, and concerns. Always their conversations were a source of joy and comfort. He's observed Hanny in very stressful situations and in the middle of arguments and seen that Hanny has always had remarkable self-control. When they were used struggling with drugs, he brought them to Hanny because he just had this way of helping them care about getting their lives together again. When kids got into angry fights with their parents, they'd go spend the night at Hanny's house. So the idea that this man could kill someone is totally unacceptable. It's not even a possibility to the truth of the matter. Surely there's a mistake. Surely the gun was passed to him, and that's how his prints were on the gun. If not that, then probably picked up the gun with curiosity, and that's how he was accused. Maybe Dinod has a personal vendetta against Henny through some weird coincidence, and just wants him to be arrested. 
Any of them are more likely possibilities than Hanny actually shooting someone to death. Unlike Philopatier, Uncle Philopatier is not the only person who has felt that way about Hanny, because when he gave his testimony about his character, the vast majority agreed and cried publicly to show their belief. He really wants the world to know the truth about Hanny, that he's a true man of God. Dunat. As discussed, Dunat has his bitterness. He has a thing against religious people. It's not the religion per se, but the fanatic in the religion. The act, they act all righteous, but they do crazy things. In fact, he's so disgusted that the people in the church can be in such strong denial about the guilt of this man when the evidence is insurmountably against Henny. His prints are on the gun. What more do these people want? Sure, there were no witnesses, but Hanny was at the scene. He held the gun. The girl was dead. This was not even a challenging case. Yes, he admits to himself only, I did want that scum off the streets more because he was religious than any other reason, but that's not so bad. I don't want people hurting other people the way that my brother was hurt, my friend was hurt, and me by extension. He's also baffled that people can use emotion to fight against facts. No matter how much they love this guy, the facts simply say that he committed a crime. This makes him wonder about the validity of religion as a whole. How many aspects of religion are more to do with blind faith and emotionalism? If something so small is dismissed, then how much more would they do would they do that kind of thing with the big stuff? Do not is happy when Hanny is convicted, partially because he wanted to make a point, but also partially because he hopes that it will make the people in the religious community start to think more deeply about what they cling to for comfort. He wants them to know the truth. Pistavrus. Pistavrus does not have strong opinions about the person of Hanny, but he loves his church. He knows how this is going to rip them apart, shake the faith, and get people worked up. Worse than that is that he knows the biases of do not. He cares that the case be investigated, but he wants to be sure that the people who are investigating are not doing lip service to the investigation when they truly have another agenda. How can the truth be served if the people researching it already want a particular conclusion? Finally, the priest. The priest is in a real quandary. On the one hand, he feels responsible because he put Hanny in his present position of steward. This was a clear proof of the confidence of the church in him as a teacher and a sound, morally upright man. How can he say anything without being accused of or being held responsible? There are other complications, and his congregation is split on what they are upset about. He doesn't know how to deal with the ones who are sure of Hanny's innocence or the ones who don't care but are simply angry that Dunod is in the investigation. Still others want to know, if Henny is guilty and he was such a good Christian, who else is a closet murderer in the church? The faith of the people in the institution is clearly shaken. Indeed, he himself is troubled by what happened. Henny was a son of his in confession. Nothing got said that ever strongly concerned him. As far as he could see, Henny really was a pious person. That he could have done this crime is unfathomable. I don't know what the truth is, thinks the priest. I guess time will tell or God will reveal. What actually happened? Hanny was walking home from the bus stop. He was making his way toward his street when a young lady caught his attention. She was crying so hard that she was convulsing. He walks over to her and finds that she is holding a gun and saying, I have to do this, I have to do this. Gently, Hanny starts trying to console her, to reason with her, to convince her that she does not need to take her own life. It's not working. She gets more agitated. Hanny tries to take the gun from her. They wrestle with it. A shot is fired. The young lady is dead. 
The cops are notified. Henny is in shock. He doesn't know whose finger hit the trigger, but he's aware that it may have been his own. The possibility that it might have been added to his guilt that he couldn't convince this girl that her life was worth living and that she had she has meaning to others and to God is enough to send him out of his mind. He doesn't care what the court says. He's already pronounced himself guilty and will not contest anything. Is Henny guilty? Of the physical crime? Possibly. But is he guilty of murder? I don't think so. But this is not the point. The point that I want to discuss is the mindset of each of the characters and the fact that we all think we know the truth about something, but we might not be right at all. Sometimes the truth is in front of us, but we are not understanding the full picture. Sometimes the truth is in front of us, but not obvious. To be dismissive of the arguments of any of the characters in the story would be wrong. Collectively, they are saying things that are meaningful. Each one of them has valid convictions that stem from a reality that they have experienced. Each and every one of them has an emotional side that influences their biases. For any one person to point at the other and say, you're saying this because of, insert reason, would be redundant. Everyone is saying things for a reason. The reasons may be good, bad, intelligent, or uninformed, but they stem from a person's experience nonetheless. Each person was going to bed with a conviction that they were speaking what is right. But whether or not they were seeking the truth is questionable. Whether or not those who definitely were seeking the truth were doing it honestly is also questionable. It is too easy for people to get emotional about their arguments, to be dismissive, to label entire categories of people as ignorant, or to ridicule those who think differently than themselves. It's easy to assume that someone else is entirely unjustified in a particular belief. We have the tons who knows characters well enough to be sure that someone is morally upright. We have the uncles who just yell random things that might not be fair or honest. We have someone who's more attached to the building and organization of the church than the God of the church. We have those who have real experience of pain and that are hurting and that are offended by religion. And we have people within who have real experience with God and with faith. All of them can be shaken. Some of them may be right and some may be wrong. The question that one always has to ask is, what is the truth? These characters may be helpful in the journey toward the truth, but none of them are singularly complete and whole in their knowledge. Only one exists who is complete himself. We live in a secular world. I've heard or said that expression so many times that it's becoming cliche. But we live in an era that acts like it wants to know the truth. Christians are accused of being overly emotional, not cognizant of facts. Is this true? Yes, sometimes. Is the converse also true? Yes, sometimes. Christians seem to dismiss science and science seems to dismiss religion. The solution, however, is not to debate conclusions. The solution is to seek the truth. We talk about the Pharisees dismissing Christ right away because it made them uncomfortable and seemed contradictory to their world. There was a good Pharisee, Nicodemus, who said, I don't get it. What is he saying? He wanted to know, and he found out. We don't need to go back to the time of Christ. Abuna Lazarus, an atheist, a professor of philosophy with a particular agenda against Christian religion in particular, sought the truth and now lives in a cave. There are answers. A good Christian doesn't fear science, and a good scientist shouldn't fear Christ. Science is about knowledge. 
If someone claims to have experienced a miracle, the reaction shouldn't be that fool. It should be, well, did he? If scientists say we found conclusive proof of such and such, Christians shouldn't be saying that's a lie. They should ask, is it conclusive? Everyone should be asking, is it the truth? And then, okay, what does that mean? In the case above, for example, everyone was right about something, but they didn't know why. Sometimes we may observe facts, but our interpretations of them are wrong. We should not fear this. We need to be honest about things. Honesty brings with it peace, because if one lies to himself or tries to have a particular conclusion for the sake of having a particular conclusion, he will later on be troubled. None of us likes to be lied to, even when it's us lying to ourselves. We need also, however, to be honest with our questions as well. With debates about science, for example, we should not enter a debate with a preformed decision that the other person must be wrong. We must not assume that the other person has absolutely no basis for a theory. Is it possible that someone is coming up with a theory with the sole intent of wanting to discredit religion? Of course it is. If he's wrong, time will tell, so long as there are still other scientists that are seeking the truth. If he's right about the conclusion, why am I worked up? It may mean that I need to learn more so that I can understand my God better. If someone is a reductionist and reduces our faith to something that sounds so bizarre and obviously wrong, well, find out if he's right. Use it to understand better. But it doesn't affect the truth, no matter how sarcastic or confident he sounds in his accusation. Emotionalism breeds emotionalism. If I angrily attack someone as being a liar, he will angrily attack me back. If I pull random proofs to justify my point, someone else is going to point out the fingerprints on the gun. The truth is not afraid of discovery because it helps us inform us more about God. The question, yet again, is what is the truth? There is a reason why our Lord Christ is referred to as the Logos. Logos just doesn't just mean the word of the Father. It means the intellect, the mind, the very reasoning of God. That's why he's the truth. He's the truth enfleshed. That's why he says, ask me and things will be revealed to you. He doesn't want us to pretend we don't have questions. He doesn't want us to act like everything is simply as is and not permitted to be discussed. He wants us to ask him to seek him. Ponder on this. He is the truth. We hope that you have enjoyed and been edified by today's episode. If you have any questions and wish to reach Father Anthony Paul, please send an email to ap at freedominchristianity.com. Thank you for listening to Anaphora Radio.